This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Well, hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 282, recorded on Monday, September the 19th, 2016. Monday. Monday. Once again, Monday. Monday. Yeah, it's usually a Monday around here when we're doing this. Usually Mondays come around when it's Monday. <laughs> usually. Feels like a Monday. Oh, it sure does. It sure does. But at least Monday's almost over, and now we're at the fun part of Monday, which is recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. Not the boring part of Monday, or the sucky part, which is getting up in the morning and going to work. It, it really is the sucky part. <laughs> I know, man. Work is all right, but if I could just not do it, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, not doing it would be better than actually doing it. It would, totally. Sometimes I not do it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm there and not doing it, but not often, because I usually have way too much to do to get away with that kind of crap. Right, and you do want to keep your job, because if you not do it too much, then you might not have the opportunity to do it much in the future. Yeah, I think that's the dream job for me, the job that I could not do. Yeah. Get paid. Just sit do, around. To not do that. That'd be great. I if can I, do that from home. If I, <laughs> <laughs> which you do. If anyone has one of those jobs available, let us know. And hire us to do that job too. Totally. So here we are, Jason. Welcome back for your second week back in a row. How's the family doing? Family's doing good. Cool. Baby's yeah. getting bigger. Baby's getting bigger. We had uh, the one month or the four week doctor's appointment today and uh, baby's growing uh, right on the money, right on the, the middle of the curve that the baby's supposed to be growing on. Perfect. Perfect. And, the, and his head is growing at the appropriate rate as well. Well, that's good. Do you know if he has a big head, little head, average size head? Average size head. Oh, He's been right average all the way from uh, the time he was in utero. Right on the perfect scale the whole yeah, way he, through. He's textbook. <laughs> well, that's all right then. That's what yeah, you want. That's pretty good. That's good. Well, my kids have humongous heads. That's why I ask. They came out with big heads and now it's impossible to find a hat for them. Oh. And we, we even asked the doctor about it years ago, like, what's the deal with these giant heads? And they said, well... Do you guys have big heads? And both of us kind of do, because I have trouble finding hats that fit. And so she said, well, it's fine, but, you know, we'll take, we'll keep an eye on it. And if they're really extremely large, we might have to think, you know, look into that. But she said it's totally fine and it's never come up again. So like that lady that dated Chandler on Friends, big head, big head, big head. <laughs> was it? I don't remember that. Oh, he, yeah, it was, uh, Chandler was very picky about his dates. And, uh, at one point he dated this woman who he broke up with her because she had a big head, but otherwise was perfectly nice. And he went out, out with her again and he said, oh, he, in his mind, his internal monologue was, she's really nice. She's pretty. She's got a great personality. Big head, big head, big head. Hmm. I guess you, uh. Just go back and watch all of Friends. Oh, we, we almost have been. We've been, we've been every time, anytime we want to put on something, but don't know what to watch or just need something on in the background. It's usually Friends on Netflix. <clears throat> oh, yeah. There's oh. lots of stuff like that on Netflix. There's Yeah, Friends is good, though. I like it. That was IT Crowd, show. we did that. It's a good show, too. Yeah. Gotta Netflix has uh, got lots of good stuff if you dig deep enough. Including The Walking Dead, uh, which you don't have to dig that deep for these days. I think Season 6 just premiered recently on Netflix. So oh, sweet. If you're looking to get caught up before Season 7, which is coming up in October, of course, Season 6 is on Netflix now, so you can do that. Super. I mean, you and I own the whole thing on iTunes and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people just watch it on Netflix. So a, go for a it. A Blu-ray here and there. A Blu-ray here and there. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't bought a season on like a physical media 
since season two, maybe three. Think of it this way. Uh, on September 30th, this will that will be the fifth anniversary of my wife and I having ownership of our house. And we moved in somewhere in the mid middle of October. I still have not set up my Blu-ray player. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen, Jason. <laughs> no, it's not. It's still in the closet. I still own it. Uh-huh. I still own Blu-rays. I have yet to set it up. Right. It's it's just not a thing anymore, watching physical media anymore. I get everything from iTunes um, or Netflix or whatever streaming service, and uh, it's just – I just don't watch DVDs anymore. In fact, I sold most of them off recently because I just yeah. didn't have space or the need for them. Me too. Garage sale. Guy came up and said, I'll buy them all for 250 bucks. I'm like, take it. Yeah. It's basically- you got a whole bunch of exercise DVDs that he didn't realize. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> I did the same thing at a garage sale earlier this year, and there was a lot of kids stuff in there that he probably is not interested in one bit. Anyhow. Right. So uh, anything else before we get started? Well, I wanted to thank Wendy for that blanket. She sent us a baby blanket, and it actually arrived, and oh, yeah. it is absolutely wonderful. That's awesome. One of our so listeners cute. wanted to make, wanted to make you a baby blanket, and she made a nice smelling one, it sounds like. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's that's amazing. So um, our listeners are, are the greatest. They are the best listeners that uh, I could possibly imagine. We've had people send us food, which I know sounds a little weird, but like prepackaged food. Right. Uh, and you know, we've, we've had people send us other sorts of gifts and stuff and they're not the greatest just because they send us stuff. They're the greatest because they're awesome, but sending us stuff is fun too, especially baby blankets. Yeah. It's cool. Well, you can cover your baby, keep him warm in Wendy's blanket. It's uh, going to get chilly here in a little while. <laughs> it's, I betcha. I won't even be that long. I don't think. No. All right, man, let's uh, get into the program. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, So let's talk about the ratings from last week briefly. So as you know, last week, if you remember, episode 10 had the lowest ratings of the season and I think of all time for Fear the Walking Dead. Yep. Uh, What do you think? Do you think the ratings went up or continued to go down this week? I think they continued to go down. Go down. Well, you'd be wrong. (laughs) I'd be wrong? (laughs) Yeah. So episode Holy shit, look at that, I'm wrong. Episode 11 had 3.4 million, so it went up again. Uh, not quite to what episode 9 had, which was 3.66, but 3.4. So it, it rebounded a little bit, which I think is probably making everybody feel good. That's super awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, I don't know, maybe we're at some sort of lower plateau again, where it's going to hover around 3 to 3.5, um, but we will see. And uh, honestly, no one should be too disappointed with that unless you compare, you know, over time where we started at 6.67 for season two, episode one. Uh, That doesn't look so good, but what are you going to do? 3.4, not terrible. Not terrible. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a really good thing to say about, uh, you know, the quality of something or other. It's It's not not terrible. No, no, because it could always be terrible. And that's what you're saying. Yeah, it really could. So... That's it fine. could be you, me, and, you know, three of our listeners that watch the show and everybody else just stops watching it. Woo. That'd be terrible. That would be terrible. Uh, all right. Since we did... Okay. So if you remember, we had to cut the feedback out of the end of last week's podcast, but the wife and I did a feedback episode midweek to make up for it. So nice. we got through a lot of feedback from last week, but I have one message here from Bonnie in San Francisco, and it's a little bit of a 
general sort of message about uh, about the show. It's mostly about Chris, actually, which was he he was not a part of last week's episode. But I thought I'd read it and maybe we could talk about it briefly. So Bonnie in San Francisco says, I don't think Chris blames his dad for killing his mom. I think he blames Madison for his parents' divorce and Madison and, Tra- and Travis for putting them in the situation for his mom to get bit. In his mind, if Madison and family had never existed, Chris and his parents would be somewhere else when the outbreak occurred. Piecing together the timeline, it seems very likely that Travis and Madison had an affair while both were still married. Maybe Chris and his mom thought they were a happy family and were blindsided by the divorce. Madison's husband was dead, so Travis fit comfortably into Madison, Nick, and Alicia's life, leaving Chris an unwanted third wheel with them. Once his mom's dead, He's left with a step family who doesn't embrace him and a father who defends them. He's alone yet stuck with the people who ruined his life and stole his dad. So this comes out of kind of speculation on what the deal is with Chris and why he's so screwed up and, uh, you know, why he wasn't getting along with everyone so much. And uh, it's not just because of sort of what Bonnie's saying is it's not just because of his experience post-apocalypse, but everything leading up to it as well. He was he wasn't really feeling a part of this family to begin with. And that's kind of contributed to his, you know, nastiness now. Yeah. Well, you know, most evil people, not most evil people, but uh, a lot of television uh, bad guys have daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And Chris, I guess, is is one of them. Um and I know uh, we can talk about Travis showing up at the end of, of this week's episode when we get to that. But uh, I, I mean, I think this is a pretty good description of what Chris is going through. I mean, I know he's just a TV character and really we can only judge him by what we see on screen. But I think a lot of this can easily be inferred by what we see on screen. And it does kind of deepen his feelings a little bit. It does. I like this. Uh, I like this way of putting it together. Yeah. I mean, does that justify him sneaking into Madison and Alicia's room at night, picking up a knife and things like that, and then shooting the farmer and all those sorts of things? I don't know. No, not really. <laughs> You're still responsible for your actions, regardless of the uh, the cause or the, like, you can't really justify it. He's still responsible for what he did. Of course. I mean, he can't just feel bad and then do illegal things. That's right. You know, I mean, that would be a crazy world to live in if that was the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad, but I'm going to go burn down my neighbor's house. Yeah. And then you, then you know, and then you get away with it because you felt bad. Oh, well, he made you feel bad. Therefore, it's his fault. Right. But then who made that guy make you feel bad? So you got to trace it all the way back to, you know, some kind of Neanderthal man who was the initialist for uh, making somebody feel bad. <laughs> the initialist? Is that the word? That's I don't know, word. but hey, it works. I know what you mean. <laughs> right. Initializer. He was the genesis of the bad feelings. Genesizer. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> Genesizer. Uh, all right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Chris and Travis and stuff like that when we get into this week's episode. Um, but uh, hey, look at this. We have a title read for the first time in a long time. Super. Uh, so... Season two, episode 12 of Fear the Walking Dead was called. Hey, Chris and Jason. Um, this is Lee no, from St. Catharines. <laughs> uh, no one's really sending you title reads for fear, so I thought I'd give it a try. I'm going to send you one every week. Use them or not. You guys own discretion. I'll try to make them funny. So today you have Pillar of Salt. 
<laughs> so what I like about that title read is he introduces it and th- says, I'll try to make it funny. <laughs> and then just reads pillar of salt. <laughs> I'm laughing. I think that's awesome. <laughs> it's that's that's very good. I mean, the comedy there is is um, subtle, but I think it really works. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's my favorite kind. Let's try to make it funny. <laughs> pillar of salt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lee in St. Catharines. I really enjoyed that. Uh, so in case you have are a new listener or forgot or whatever, we do like to have our listeners read the titles of the episodes. So send in yourself reading the titles. You can find them all on IMDb or Wikipedia or probably AMC's website um, and just send a read and it can be your own sort of interpretation of it. You can do a voice, you can just read it, you can do whatever. I don't usually play like people's introductions of them like I did for Lee here, but I think that was part of the read this time. So if you want to do a title read, just uh, record yourself on your phone or your computer or whatever, and then email it to me, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll put as many on the air as I can. Yeah. Just ram it through the internet and we'll get it. That's right. That's how you send things these days. Ram it through. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You ram it through the internet because you got to, you know, screw internet speeds. No, no. Ram no. it. Ram it off. Uh, okay. So <laughs> continuing in the uh, comedic vein, here's what AMC had to say about this week's episode. This, this description taken directly from AMC.com about Pillar of Salt is Madison lays down the law. All right. <laughs> And she did. That's well, not untrue. No, it's not untrue at all. But it's a little shorter than usual. <laughs> I mean, they usually go for two or three sentences or, you know, at least at, at most three, some, usually one or two. Not this time. Five words. Madison lays down the law. M- Madison does things. Yeah, that's right. At least it's a little more descriptive than that. <laughs> Stuff happens. Yeah, that would be pretty good. That, that would be great. Uh, all right. So... Does Madison, in fact, lay down the law, Jason? What do you think? Well, she doesn't lay down the law necessarily. She tells it like it's like it is. Like she steps up into that leadership role and basically uh, says, uh, "We do not kill the living." And I was wondering, as soon as she said that, I'm like, "Okay, who's going to die? Like somebody's got to die, right? <laughs> She's got to kill somebody." Uh-huh. As soon as you make that kind of uh, declaration, I mean, with Rick, it. You know, you turned around four seconds later and did it, but uh, at least she lasted the whole ep- rest of the episode without killing anybody. Well, yeah, she, that's true. Um, and, and it's funny. I didn't actually think about it in those terms. Like her rules for after Eileen, which was the bride's mother, Stab Strand, were basically to keep Eileen locked up for now because she was the first offender. But if anyone else raises a hand to someone else, they're kicked out. Yeah. And... I mean, it's kind of like saying we don't kill the living, although it's it's a little bit more like we don't kill anyone who lives here. Like that, That's true. I think you can kill other living if they're threatening you. But e- either way, I hadn't really thought about it, but it is similar to what Rick said at one time. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that seems like it forever ago now. Um, you know, I think this is probably going to play out in a similar way where uh, – uh, these rules are great and all for now, but you can't apply universal rules like this to every situation in the zombie apocalypse, and they're going to have to learn that. No, you got to deal with it uh, one situation at a time. Like, you know, uh, you know, you stab somebody, we lock you up in a hotel room, mm-hmm. you know, and provide you with all the room and board that you need in order to survive in a hotel room. Because otherwise, if we just let you run rampant, you're just going to live in a hotel room. 
with all the room and board that you can handle. But you're going to be stabbing people while you're doing it. But you have the freedom to leave your room and go to other rooms and stab various people. Yes. Right. That's what so they... So we're just going to curtail that stabbing uh, you know, right that you used to have. You no longer have the right to stab people. <laughs> we're going to take away all your knives and lock you in the room with a minibar. Knives, pencils, uh, sharp uh, other objects. You know, Toothbrushes. Toothbrushes, you know, yeah. What, what not? Um, what do you... Like... Do you think? Do you think Madison should have exiled her, thrown her? Yeah, out? threw her off the roof. Aim for the pool, you know. And if she hits the pool, then she can get up and leave. But if she misses the pool and she goes splat on the edge of the pool, eh, whatever. <laughs> That's a little harsh. I mean, I was thinking- she stabbed somebody. She just opened a door and stabbed him. Yeah, because he killed a, a zombie. That's right. He, but he didn't explain to her like he explained to Oscar. It's not your daughter anymore. He should have at least had the courtesy to do that. Maybe. Oh, she's a crackpot. She's not going to listen to that kind of reasoning. Well, that's true. She's just, you know, gone stabby. You know, what do you do when somebody goes stabby? Just you lock stabby. him in a room. Okay, well, let's 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 talk about that that scene a little bit more. So, Strand and everyone is hanging out in the room there. Someone knocks on the door. Strand goes, opens it, and before he can say hello, she's stuck a knife in his abdomen and and said, "You killed my daughter," and then ran off. And Strand falls to the floor. I. I could sort of see that coming a little bit. Um, but at the same time, how did she know Strand was going to answer the door? Like, what if someone else answered the door? Was she just going to stab anybody who was standing there? I don't know. That's a good question. She did. Uh, I thought she's really angry at everybody in that room, really. So I don't think she cared. I think she's going to stab whoever answered that door. Like, she has a beef with Strand because he killed the bride. She has a beef with Elena because she's the one who locked them in the room back at the wedding. Yeah. And she kind of has a beef with everyone else in their group because she just has a lot of beef. Um, But what if Oscar had opened the door or because I think he was in there, wasn't he? I don't recall, but maybe. And maybe she's just stabby. She's gone stab crazy and just was, you know, didn't care. Yeah. I'm going to stab somebody. I'm pissed off. I can, you know, most of the people I want to stab are in that room. So there's a real good chance that whoever opens the door, I want to stab. So I'm just going to stab who opens the door. Yeah. Well, that's what it looked like. She didn't hesitate at all. The door opened and that knife was thrust in. So um, I guess it was just kind of lucky she got strand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lucky for her. Lucky for her. her. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so much strand. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a pretty good scene. And I got to say, I really felt, I think Coleman Domingo did an amazing job throughout this episode acting in pain. Like yes. this, this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, well, in all, in all respects, I think he's a good actor, but he, like this was once, I mean, for once in a long time, actually, that I really felt like someone who gets injured on the show was in actual real pain and in actual real danger of dying. Like he did not look good. He, he was, uh, he just felt like he, it felt to me like he was really, really suffering. And a lot of the time on this show and even the main show, it, you know, someone gets hurt and they're, they're better before you know it, or like they get hurt and then they're resting and they're okay. And you never really feel their pain, but I felt Strand's pain on this one. He did a really good job. And uh, uh, maybe uh, Coleman Domingo uh, is such a method actor that he refused to do the scene until somebody actually stabbed him. 
<laughs> that would you be know? nuts, but hey, it worked if that's it, the, the case. Realism. Yeah. I'm yeah, I don't act. You uh put me in this situation, I'm gonna behave like I normally would. So if you're gonna if the script says stab me, you better stab me or I'm walking. Jeez, what if he ever turns into a zombie or gets killed? Well the zombie getting killed part maybe zombie part might be a little hard to do realistically or for real. Oh come on. I'm sure there's some way. Not really. I mean, zombies don't exist. I don't know if you know that, Chris. Wait, what? <laughs> you say what now? I've been watching this show. I've been watching Walking Dead shows for seven years, six years, and they don't, and they're not real. Come on, this is a documentary. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. In fact, this is actually going on in Georgia as we speak, right? <laughs> that's right. Or well, Mexico in this case. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then, anyways, I really felt his pain. And then the other thing about this scene is, I got to admit, the whole concept of somebody getting injured at the hotel and then elena stepping up and saying i know a place it's a drive we can get the medicine we need as soon as she said that i'm like oh now i see what they're doing they're gonna come together because of this warehouse yeah i thought it was pretty clever i thought it was simple enough but but well done and i i must admit i didn't really foreshadow it to myself i didn't see it coming i just you know when she said that i kind of thought oh I, I see now and that's great i think this is a pretty good way of getting them together what do you think i thought that the you know nick had to walk 40 days and 40 nights through the desert to get to this place that was so far away and such an ordeal to get to and the rest of the people are like yeah we'll be back in two hours which means it's an hour drive right and well, you, yeah Sorry. So it just, it seemed a little, uh, I think it belittled uh, Nick's walk through the desert in my mind. Here's the thing. We talked about this. Nick walked a hundred kilometers from uh, wherever he started to Tijuana. The sign on the highway said that. Okay. And a hundred kilometers, yes, is far, but it's not totally unrealistic to walk over a period of a few days. Um, no. If you walk all day, every day. You can you can do it. And he was in pretty rough shape when he got there after, you know, being shot at and attacked by dogs and dehydrated and, and all that kind of stuff. So he he suffered on that walk. And Madison and Strand and Alicia and everybody, they had a car. So no problem to drive 100 kilometers over a few days. So I don't really feel like they're that it's that unrealistic that they got to within sort of striking distance of each other. Okay, so if it's 100 miles, that's more than an hour's drive. Kilometers. 100 kilometers. Yes. It, the sign was in Mexico. It said 100. And oh. uh, we checked if Mexico uses miles or kilometers, and they use kilometers. Oh, yeah. You totally can get there in an hour then. Yeah. and But I don't think it's even that far. Like the warehouse to the hotel and the warehouse to the, the colony in Tijuana, it's like they're all within the same sort of little ish area ish like i'm not sure it's a, an hour drive each way but they thought the trip would take about two hours including the time they were there right if you put the hammer down you can get there in, in a short order right exactly <laughs> there's no other traffic so you might well, as well it depends on how the if the roads are clear right well that's true it's true and you, i mean you don't want to go too fast on the roads because you know if you roll off the road and flip around a bunch of times there's no ambulance helicopter to come get you and take you to the hospital so you got to be careful if you skid out on some zombie guts or something yeah you got to be careful yeah okay well 
Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I don't, I think that they're within kind of range of each other, which, which I'm okay with. But what I was saying is that I just think it's a great way to bring them together. It's like they, they introduce Nick at the colony, everyone else at this hotel and this sort of supply depot run by a gang where you have to go and trade stuff. And it would make sense that the different, you know, groups in the areas would all be doing business with this place. And as soon as she said, I know a place we can get there, we can get the medicine. I'm like, bingo. That's how they're going to meet up again. Yeah, absolutely. Barter town. Barter town. Exactly. Um, so pretty cool. Pretty cool. Anyways. And Coleman Domingo, he did a great job suffering. Um, now let's talk about, uh, let's talk about what happened when they went to get the medicine. This was really the only part of this episode that I didn't like a great deal because of how just ridiculous Madison acted when she got there. You think she acted ridiculous? Um, put it this way. I don't think in different circumstances, what she did was absolutely crazy, but I think the conclusion that she jumped to, uh, listening to a conversation in a language that she barely understands. And at that point had not had translated for her to to suddenly realize that they must be talking about my son Nick of all the people they could be talking about and then to actually you know run up there and confront the people about it it just drove me crazy because it was the it, first of all there's no way she would have made that jump and if even if she did it, it was just so stupid to run up there and jeopardize everything they were doing at that moment right oh my god they're talking about a guy i know that guy yeah I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. She basically overheard a couple of words and her first immediate thought was maybe that's Nick. And I'm like, no, there's no way you would do that. I mean, she started thinking, I, I, I watched the scene a couple of times and from what I can tell, she started thinking that they're talking about Nick before Elena mentioned the ratty hair, the drugs, um, or, or anything that would lead her to believe that they might be talking about her son. She was bothering Elena to translate for her and, and tell her what they're talking about, you know, with no prompt that it might be a conversation about her son. So it was really, really ham fisted in my opinion of the show to like, to pull something like this off. They needed to give Madison more motivation or more reason to believe that that conversation was about Nick. All they had to do was mention the name Nick. Yes, all they Somebody, had to do. Anybody in that whole conversation say the word Nick, and she would have uh, could have spun her head and ran over there immediately. And, and I they, would have completely believed that. Yeah. Right? I agree with you. But they didn't do it. They just had her hear random people talking about something completely random from her perspective, and she's like, that must be my son. In a language that she does not speak very well. Exactly. Exactly. I started, it just, the whole thing felt stupid to me and it felt like they, you know, I knew this was going to happen. They were going to be there and there was going to be something that gave her the, the hint that, that, uh, Nick might be there too, or might be in the area or whatever. And earlier on in the episode, I thought, well, Nick is going to go there and they're actually going to meet each other. They're going to, they're going to run into each other and that'll be amazing. And I would have preferred that. I think, even though it would have felt like a bit of a coincidence, but, you know, coincidence is one thing weird, you know, figuring something out out of nothing is, 
is not cool for me. So, right. Uh, so yeah, I was not too impressed by this, although I knew something was going to happen, but I think of all the good they've done with Madison's character in the last few episodes, making her a leader, making, giving her some smart, you know, really smart decisions. Um, they undid a little bit of that in this episode. Um, especially with this scene. Um, a lot of people I think would argue with the end too, when she turns on the hotel lights, it's kind of the same thing because she's acting selfishly, but that didn't even bother me as much as, as this stuff did. So if somebody had said the word Nick and she had freaked out and uh, ran and tried to figure out what was going on, would that justify the uh, turning on the sign at the end or would that make the sign at the end, the thing that stuck out? You know, that's a good question. I personally think it would still have been a dumb idea after, you know, her, even after her in the episode earlier, actually saying, you know, we got this generator running, we'll turn it on for a few hours a week just to do what we need to do with it. Um, so I think it still would have been dumber to do it, but I think it would have been a little bit more justified having if she actually knew that Nick was somewhere nearby. Right. And so I guess the next question I have is why didn't they unhook the sign for the hotel from the generator <laughs> so that every time they turn on the generator, the sign comes on? I guess so. Unless there's uh, a switch. I don't know. Well, you know, let her turn the generator on and then somebody else go turn off the switch. It's like, what are you, an idiot? Or like all the lights in the hotel came on as well. Like in the background, yeah. every single light in every single hotel room was on. Those I know have switches. And you'd think they'd go and go and go and turn off the switch. It's like, okay, we got this one generator mm -hmm. in this whole hotel. We want to boil water and make ice because God damn it. We love our ice. It goes into drinks. It, uh, it, Keeps fish cold. Uh, you know, ice is a good thing. So all these lights, we got to make sure those are on too mm -hmm. because we need to burn as much gasoline as we possibly can because we know that's a limited resource because uh, we ain't making more gasoline. No, I know. And you're absolutely right. As soon as I saw all those lights in the hotel on at the end, I had the same thought. It's like, what are you doing? Yes, you're you're smart to turn it on just a few hours a week to use the power for things that are essential. But good Lord, turn off all the lights. I mean, and turn off the sign and do what like even if you have to take an axe to the wire that goes to the sign because you can't find the switch, just do it. You don't need that damn sign on. Yeah. So I, I completely hear you there. Uh, all I can wonder or speculate is just maybe they hadn't got around to that yet. Maybe they hadn't had time to go through the hotel and turn all the light switches off. I don't know. You know, I could see that. That would be something you'd need to get to, but I would say don't use the generator until you until you do that. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you know, put a little forethought into power management before you turn on the huge fucking generator. Oh, I'll be honest with you. I wish people in real life would put a little more thought into power management. You know, you walk around the city in the middle of the night when it's pitch black out and all the stores are closed and all their friggin' big front display signs are still lit up that's advertising it yeah and it drives me crazy because they should turn that shit off oh there was a power outage here uh a couple of weeks ago at like four o'clock in the morning uh it like was at your awesome house? what like at your house 
Yeah, the whole neighborhood, like as far as you could see, all the lights went off and uh, we were up feeding the baby Mm -hmm. and all the power went out and I went on to the street to look around. It was, uh, it was flipping cool. And then the power came on about an hour later. Yeah. I like a good power outage myself. Yeah. Except for when I'm podcasting. (laughs) I don't like power outages now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't tempt the podcasting gods. No, 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 no. We need power for a little while. Not everything is hooked up to my UPS, so. Oh, my UPS burnt out. I don't have one right now. Oh, geez. Power better stay on at your house. (laughs) Um, One more thing about the whole Madison stuff, uh, and as it relates to Alicia, um, I think she was 100% full on, totally justified in confronting Madison at the end about almost screwing up the deal yeah. and by sort of telling her, you know, what's the matter with you? I mean, Nick abandoned us. I know he's your son, but I didn't abandon you. I'm here. Why are you not, you know, so concerned about my well-being as you are his? Because he abandoned you. That's it's, why? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's obviously going to be concerned about Nick because he's the one that uh, wronged her in her heart, right? And Whereas, has been his entire life, it sounds like. Yes, and Alicia is here and is always here and therefore is completely taken for granted. Mm. It's the nature of things. And yeah, and and that's essentially what Alicia said, right? She she told Strand that I've been taking care of these people my whole life, you know, almost to the expense of having my own life. And she's been neglected by her mother for this. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of sad. And and again, I think uh, Alicia Debnam Carey did a fantastic job in this scene, just confronting her mom saying, you know, I don't understand. I'm here. Nick is not. What's the matter with you? And and I thought it was a great scene. And you could see on Madison's face, just the realization that she's, she maybe hasn't been fair to her children over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was good. So it was really, really good. Um, Let's uh, let's jump back to the beginning a little bit. Uh, the cold open. So we have a cold open. People are ex- escaping the colony. Three characters we don't know or mm-hmm. don't really know. Maybe we've seen them in the background or something, but really have no concept of who they are. Our entire cold open follows them trying to escape from the colony and going through the bus and out the, the zombie wall. I thought it was pretty well done and i was surprised that they do a cold open uh with characters that we don't know at all and and not have any of the regulars there i have two questions about this uh sure uh one is does crouching really work uh when you're running through the middle of a field like there was uh, an open area that they were crouching and running through in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. so don't crouch just walk so that's not really a question. Second question is... <laughs> but it's a good point. Is the bus really the only way out of this community? Well, it seems like it. I mean, the bus is used for going in and out and for sacrificing the, those who are sick. There's no way... Like, they got through some part of the wall. Like, they pulled back a piece of corrugated tin or whatever that was mm-hmm. to be able to get through a wall section. There's nowhere else in this entire community, this ramshackle patchwork community where you can get from one side, from the inside of the community to the outside of the community without going through this bus. I guess not, but I think that's maybe how Alejandro likes it. Well, I would, I would assume that that's true. I just, uh, I just had a hard time buying that. Like that, that had to go through the bus. Yeah, well, we saw Nick and Lucy go through there. That's how they went to get out. 
Well, it makes perfect sense for this is the doorway. You know, we go through this way because it's the safest way in and out. This is the doorway. But these three characters were sneaking out in a very clandestine way. And I just, I, I think that they would have figured out another way to get out. Go over the wall, you know, tie some bed sheets together and go up on the roof and of some building that's on the edge of the wall and climb down the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, make a ladder. Go I, get some twine and some sticks and make a ladder. Or use a ladder. There's probably ladders in there. There's probably a ladder. You can make a ladder out of a long enough piece of rope. Just uh-huh. the rope. Mm-hmm. You can make a ladder. Even if you just tie knots in it. You could tie knots in it. You know, climb down the rope. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, I was thinking that why would they do it at the, in the daytime? Why not do it at night? Oh, yeah. That's another good question. When you can, you know, hide in the cover of darkness to a degree. Oh, but I guess I assume it's early morning because the uh, the, the person in the watchtower was fast asleep. Well, that just makes them a terrible lookout. Oh, of course, they're a terrible lookout, regardless of whether it's day or night. But yeah. I assumed it was first thing in the morning. And he, you know, spent a long night of looking at boring nothing and decided that, uh, you know, boring nothing is not worth looking at. So I'm just going to fall asleep. Take a little nap right here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if he he fell asleep, they took they took their opportunity. Maybe he has a habit of falling asleep and they, they knew that. And that's where they, they decided to go at that moment. But that guy should get fired. Oh, he should definitely be fired. Probably fed to the wall. Yeah. Know? Um, well, yeah, I can see your point there. there you think there would have been an easier way to get out of there, but I don't know. Maybe they wanted to, maybe nobody watches the door because, or the, the bus, because nobody thinks anyone would be stupid enough to go and try to get through there alive. Make a hot air balloon. Just go up and over the wall. <laughs> Nothing conspicuous about that. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And a little tricky. If you had to make a hot air balloon right now, could you do it? Uh, well, I don't know if I have the materials in my house, but if I was living in a community, I am living in a community. If I was able to uh, raid the various buildings in my community, I think I could make a hot air balloon. A propane tank, a little bit of heat, uh, you know, a couple of tarps, and sew them together. <laughs> and no big explosions. And a basket of some kind. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I could make a hot air balloon. Oh, uh, I think... Oh, I would die one way or the other, but I could make a hot air balloon. You could get off the ground. I could probably get off the ground and then fall <laughs> back to the ground in a fireball. Yeah. Well, uh, challenge accepted or <laughs> challenge proposed. <laughs> declined. <laughs> challenge declined is what the word you're looking for. What we need is the zombie apocalypse and then you'll try it. Yeah, and get stuck inside a inside a community that I can't get out of except for through a uh, bus of some kind. Through yes, so I know, guys. Let's not sneak out. We'll make a hot air balloon. Simplest option is usually <laughs> the best, after all. <laughs> that's how they got home in the Wizard of Oz. Uh huh. That's right. No, she tapped her heels together. Oh yeah, right. That's where they, how they were going to get home in the Wizard of Oz. That's right. I haven't watched that in a while. Good old Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about Ophelia. We get some Ophelia. She's back in this episode. Yay. So I really enjoyed all the Ophelia scenes, but I do wonder how the hell she got down from the floor she was stuck on with Alicia in order to steal the truck. She took the stairs. Yeah. But then why was it so difficult for Alicia and Elena to get down? They had to go through this whole like move the zombies, lure them, climb around the balcony thing um to to so they could clear the stairs they didn't uh, know about the secret staircase that uh 
that Ophelia took. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the only explanation, but Elena's supposed to be the hotel manager. She has a key to every door. She's no, she's supposed to know all about the secret staircases. So maybe she did what I suggested and put together a rope ladder and climbed down outside. Or jumped and hit the pool. Or jumped and hit the pool. Yeah. You know, or made a hot air balloon. <laughs> And just Lots of options. Floated down gently. <laughs> or maybe she just had an umbrella and jumped. Because umbrellas, as we all know, break your fall enough uh, so that you can survive a, a fall from a great height. Maybe if you're Mary Poppins. Yeah. Actually, sorry. The, I misspoke. The, the height I'm thinking of is about 18 inches. That's about it, eh? That's about it. Anything taller than that, you're probably going to sprain an ankle or hurt yourself. Well, I'm going to try that tomorrow. I'm going to jump from 24 inches with an umbrella <laughs> and see what happens. That'll teach you. Uh, so I wonder how she got down, but outside of that, I thought it was really good to see her again. And Ophelia definitely had, uh, you know, if not the only zombie kill in this episode, she had the best one. It's true. When she arrived at that little restaurant where we got the flashback of her getting engaged, getting engaged, she goes in there with a hammer. She sticks the, um the the claw. the claw end of that hammer into that zombie's skull and then without camera cutting away she yanks it out and man it it just grossed me out for some reason just thinking about what would happen to the skull of that zombie as she yanked that thing out of there and it just shattered a big hole in it i had i cringed and i almost looked away it's pretty gross it's gross but uh, like amazing gross and i don't know there's something about the Fear the Walking Dead more than the Walking Dead, where they have these little touches where they just get to me a little bit more, you know, like Chris beating to death that the the living guy in the in the plane, and or or stuff like this. They just seem to linger. The camera lingers a little longer on some of this stuff on this show. Cool, and that's good. But it's very good. It grossed me out. Anyways, uh, Ophelia's backstory. Um, what did you think of that uh, transition from? present to past where the camera pushes out into the ocean and then we hear the past conversation and when it pulls back we're in the past and she's getting proposed to i think it was pretty standard yeah yeah pretty regular didn't jump out at you didn't jump out at me i thought it's like oh okay that's an interesting way to do it but you know it didn't strike me as uh, hey that's game changing well i'm not saying it's game changing but uh at least it wasn't like a star wipe or a smash cut or something i thought it was oh, a star wipe would have been awesome i never never not do a star wipe <laughs> no 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 what you're what you mean is never never do a star wipe no i know what i meant <laughs> all right you're a star wipe kind of guy i guess yeah or a match cut i like match cuts or what about the uh star wars slide up oh yeah that's pretty good too those are nice um I liked all of Ophelia's backstory stuff. Uh, it, it went, it did, the whole point of it was to explain why she feels so indebted to her parents. And I think it did a really good job of doing that, especially the conversation with her mother towards the end of the episode where, you know, her mother says that we, her and her father suffered a lot. They saw a lot of violence and the horrors of the world. And they basically came to America for Ophelia to give her a better life. And, you know, Ophelia, knowing this, feels really dedicated and indebted to her parents. And that's why, one, she's struggling so much with, you know, them both being dead. And uh, two, why she wanted to to stay with them, right? I thought it was very ironical. 
like they they tried to get her into or get her to America so that she wouldn't have to see the violence and gore and the cruelty and uh, nastiness of the world. And then all then there's a zombie apocalypse and she has to deal with it anyway. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could see it that way. Um, but either way, you know, her parents came from violence and they ended up in violence and scariness and all that stuff. Uh, but it doesn't change the way Ophelia feels about them, and she wants to help them. Yeah, but now they're both gone, and she doesn't know what to do. Uh, so it seems to be that she's heading back to Santa Fe, which is where her fiancé was going to be, to find him. Yeah, good luck with that. Well, I mean, if he's still alive, sure. Uh, but even just finding him in Santa Fe, who knows what's happened since the last time she saw him. But it splinters her off from the group, too. I mean, do you think... Ophelia is not just going to be off the show. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to, are we going to follow her for a while? I don't, I don't know. They're going to bring her back in. She's going to need uh, something from the uh, barter town and she's going to end up there and everybody's going to show They show up at the same time. They'll be like, Hey, you're here. Yeah, you're here too. Let's kill all these people and take all their stuff. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. Oh, they burned down our hotel. Now we got to go somewhere else. And that's how the season's going to end, right? Uh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It goes from Ophelia going to find her fiancé to turning back, meeting everyone, killing everyone, and then burning down the hotel. Well, no, that in the, in the process of uh, getting into the fight with the Bartertown people, they're gonna, the Bartertown people are going to burn down the hotel. Yes. Well, yeah, the so hotel's it, probably going to burn down. We, we know that on these, in this universe, everything burns down eventually. Yeah, if you if you love it and it seems safe, they're going to burn it down. Right. Anyways, I enjoyed the Ophelia stuff. I thought it added a lot added a lot to her character and I hope we see her again. I'm sure we will. I just think it might be a little while. I have a feeling Ophelia is done for season 2. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we're going to see her again this season. I think probably what will happen is um, Oh. What? She's going to show up on the regular show. Uh, we know there's going to be a crossover, right? Yeah. She's well, a lone wolf. She's heading towards somewhere else. She's going to end up in Atlanta and then uh, end up in uh, Alexandria. I'm telling you. Okay. That's a good call. I like it. Uh, I think it could happen. Hey, did we talk about, did you and I talk about the um, the the hint they dropped a few episodes ago? I know I podcasted with Christina about it, but um, when uh, Strand... And Madison, we're getting drunk in the bar. He detects a Southern accent in her voice and she says she was born in the South. Oh, no, I didn't catch that. And we did not talk about it. Okay. Well, huge. That was, that was the same episode where we were supposedly, where we supposedly found out that, you know, Alejandro was immune. And so I said there were two massive bombshells in that episode. One, we have an immune character, maybe. And two... We have Madison admitting that she's from the South, and I think she was from, shoot, I forget which state now. Now, it wasn't Georgia, but that doesn't mean anything. She could be a cousin of Mr. Grimes. She could be, you know, a long-lost sister, whatever, related to him somehow. I think they were hinting at it. So huge, uh -huh. huge bombshell if that's what they were going for. Ex-wife? <laughs> His first wife that we've never heard of before. That's right. <laughs> That'd be weird, but I I suppose anything is possible. Well, they got married when they were 18 and, you know, 
Only lasted a couple of years. They only lasted like 16 days or something like that. And they ended up getting annulled and divorced and they only had three kids. So (laughs) in 16 days. Yeah. Yeah. 16 days. Yeah. If only, uh, well, I suppose, but either way, um, maybe it was just a, you know, a throw out little bit of information, but I got to think it was included on purpose. So I'm excited about that. Anyhow, I like your theory about Ophelia going and showing up on the main show. I think so. Um, that she's be, got a truck. She's got a truck. She's heading sort of east. Santa Fe, New Mexico is east of, you know, where they are now. So what do you do when you get to Santa Fe and your uh, your fiance is not is nowhere to be found? You go to Washington DC. That's just the normal standard thing you do. Well, I think you find probably find a clue that he headed east because he heard information about the outbreak not being as bad out there. You end up in Atlanta. And then you start following signs for Terminus, and you start following signs for whatever, and you end up in Washington, D.C. Or you just happen to know that he's always wanted to go to the Guggenheim. <laughs> so, Which is in New York. Oh, not the Guggenheim. Uh, what am I thinking of? You're thinking of the Washington, Washington D.C. DC. They have all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. The um, Smithsonian. Smithsonian, that's the Smithsonian, one. that's what I was thinking of, the Smithsonian, because that's where they have the set from MASH, and that's why I've always wanted to go to the Smithsonian. You should. I I totally should. I've always wanted to. This is like the destination that I want to go to. I want to go to there. I do. All right. Well, cool plan. Um. Anyways, I think we're done with Ophelia for season two. She'll be back in season three doing something, whether it's on the main show or this show. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, but I do like the backstory we got on her. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any Anything else in, in this episode? Uh, Alejandro, I feel like we are seeing him starting to crack a little bit. He's uh, doesn't seem to be holding up too well now that, you know, some shit's going down that he's not too happy with. He also doesn't look that healthy anymore. He was sweating a lot. He was looking tired. I wonder if maybe there is something to him potentially being ill. And he's keeping it at bay somehow. Slowly ill. Yeah, he's slowly, slowly dying. Not immune, but maybe it just takes a long time for him to to die and turn. Um, and even outside of that, I just feel like he's acting like somebody who's starting to lose the control that he really enjoys having. Yep. You know, he uh, he was telling Luciana, like he was accusing her of wanting to leave. He just wasn't being very nice. He was giving her orders which we haven't really seen him do before. He accuses Nick of, of like having no faith in him, which is what he's asking everyone to, to keep. So um, we'll have to see, but I think his whole universe is crumbling down around him a little bit and it's probably not going to end well for him. No. And he's going to try and make everybody drink the Kool-Aid. He's totally that guy. He's totally that guy. I, I, I really agree with you. Um, And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, But I feel like, I also think that maybe he knows he's a fraud. Like he knows that he's not, you know, survive. He didn't survive a a zombie bite and he's worried that that information is slowly coming out. Yeah, that could be. Cause that would, that would mess his whole plan up a lot. Right. Um, but we got a few more episodes for that to play out. Um, and then I just, I don't know if you've got anything else about the episode, just, uh, jump right in, but I've got a few other notes. Uh, we learned, um, at one point, Lucy mentions that there are other groups out there doing better than us, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. So there's a lot of communities out there and 
I sort of thought to myself, it sort of feels like we're in the show. We're already in a world like the walking dead is now with lots of different communities and groups and they all have to find a way to work together sort of, but we've gotten there much quicker on fear. We did get there much quicker. And these, uh, these people seem to have a lot of the skills that we talked about this before. They have a lot of the skills that in the main show took a long time to acquire. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, they have them. Maybe it's the difference between urban and rural. Like the the Walking Dead, they spend a lot of time in the backwoods and small towns and avoiding large cities because Rick learned that lesson pretty damn quick mm-hmm. when he went into Atlanta on his horse. Whereas uh, our group here seems to spend a lot of time in urban areas. So maybe the fact that uh, this is more of an urban show, uh, they develop these skills a little quicker because there's more zombies. Yeah, more, more zombie density. And more people just to learn things from, right? Yeah. So, you know, the zombies per square foot kind of thing. Yeah, that's higher. good. I like that. I mean, they started in Los Angeles. They were part of like this this military zone there. They learned a lot from the army. They got on a boat. Sure, they were remote for a while then, but as soon as they landed somewhere, they were back in Tijuana, which is, well, not immediately, but they were back in an urban area. I think that's a pretty good theory, actually, and not one that I thought of. Nice. Hmm. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> good thinking there, Jason. I thought of it myself. <laughs> that's thinking with gas right there. Yeah. Um, let's see. So there's other groups. Oh, we learned that the colony has scouts that they send, send out. Alejandro mentions this to Lucy. So they do have like a team of scouts that go out and just, I guess, look for supplies and keep an eye on things. That's interesting. Um, and then friend of the show, Dave, remember him? I've heard of him. <laughs> He's this guy we know. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted at me the other day asking, he pointed out that Nick wore white shirts for a long time and now Nick is wearing a black shirt. And do I think this has any significance? Huh. I'm not so sure it does, but watching this episode, I noticed that Madison was also dressed in a black t-shirt for the majority of this episode. And I thought that was interesting that uh, they both had black shirts on, which is kind of a really subtle way of linking these two characters together. And, you know, they were linked together in not so subtle ways, but they were both wearing black shirts. Huh. I hadn't uh, thought of that or noticed. But Nick... I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, Nick going from white to black, though, I mean, he was pure before and now he's not pure or corrupted. I mean, that's what white to black means, doesn't it? Ah, he's not corrupted. Or maybe just white is easier to cover in zombie blood or black is easier to wash <laughs> you don't yeah, see the dirt so much yeah my my wife has this theory about uh, people wearing the same colors like they're simpatico if they happen to be wearing the same color of clothes like anybody like well, on tv tv and movies okay if they're wearing the same color they're you know usually working together but if they're wearing conflicting colors then uh, they're antagonists yeah no well, that makes sense i mean these these writers do all sorts of little tricks like that to uh make us feel certain ways about characters. So I think maybe Madison and, and uh, Nick both wearing black is important in a subtle way. Yep. Why not? Um, how about the montage near the beginning of the colony, cutting back and forth between the colony and the hotel. They're both being happy, look like they're having success, growing farming stuff. There's generators happening. There's fishing going on. Um, I thought it was an interesting montage, but it sort of felt a little too normal almost like oh look everyone is just doing fine all of a sudden and that can't be right 
Yeah, oh, no, it was uh, it was a happy time, good fun. They got all the zombies off the pier so that they could go fishing and catch. Uh, I don't know, fishing off a pier must be hard because you get to fish on the hook and then you get to haul it up like friggin' 14 stories before you get that uh, fish somewhere where you can club it with something. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends or step on it, right? I, I don't know. It depends. I usually just club it with a fish, uh, uh, a bat, a small fish bat kind of thing. <laughs> club a it. shillelagh kind of thing. Club it with another fish. <laughs> yeah, you, you smash it with another fish. Do you know I add insult to injury? That's right. I'm not only going to kill you, I'm going to hit you with another fish. I'm going to hit you with your friend, <laughs> whom I just hit with a bat. So. Did you know this guy? Whack! <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, I think fishing off a pier isn't that bad. You see it. Do, you see people doing it all the time. Um, and I guess it depends on the size of the fish. That makes how hard it is to get up there. Determines how hard it is to get up there. Yep. I don't know. Uh, anyways, I thought it was weird that everyone seemed so happy for a bit, but I did like the music. It was a good song. Maybe I'll play yep. that this episode. Um, and then, so when they took the fish to the uh, the warehouse to exchange it, those guys seemed really interested in the ice. Well, damn right they were interested in the ice. I thought the cooler just had ice. I was like, they're bringing ice. That's such a great idea. No, I don't understand. Why is ice so important? I mean, it's just frozen water. First of all, it's Mexico. Second of all, it's the apocalypse. And, uh, you know, where the hell are you going to get ice? I get it that, I no, I get it that making the ice is impressive, but why bother? I mean, you need water, whether it's frozen or liquid, and it's a lot easier to maintain liquid. Oh, it's luxury. It's just, uh, it's just a luxury item. And what are they going to do with it? They have a cooler of ice. I mean, do they have a freezer somewhere they're going to put it in and then go and like roll around in it and say, this is so cold and beautiful. That's the beauty of it is that it melts and that they have to use it right away. And then you come back later with more ice. and They're like, yeah, the ice people are here. What do you guys need? I don't you know, get it. It's like the ice cream guy, you know, that uh, stupid truck that comes around all the time playing its goddamn awful music every <laughs> summer. Uh, but it makes all the kids happy. It's like, God damn, I want ice cream. But you run you know? out of your house waving your arms anyway, going, hey, ice cream man, come back. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, I get that water is important, but I think frozen water or liquid water, I don't think having it frozen makes it any more exciting. In If you're in Tijuana in the middle of a zombie apocalypse with no air conditioning, ice is important. Just a single cube of ice in a drink. Or just to be able to put it uh, somewhere hot on your body would uh, be quite the luxury item. Like slowly run it down your chest? Yeah, something like that. Glistening off of your abs, that kind of thing. (laughs) If you had (laughs) such things as abs. Oh, I'm sure there's abs in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some down there somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think ice is that big a deal. I just was like, you know, you need water to survive. Just give us the water. That's fine. But they trade for water, which is weird. They trade medicine for water and now they're bringing fish. And the guy said, the fish is important. The ice is even better. It's yeah, it's a luxury item. I'm sure of it. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Anyways, we can move on from the ice. He seemed happy about it. Uh, Hector's brother, he was at the warehouse and he's a part of this group now of gang guys. And he said something interesting to Elena just before they left. He says to her, don't come back here. We won't be here much longer. That was interesting. What does that mean? Well, they're leaving. Where are they going? I don't know. They're already in Tijuana. So where else could they go? Why are they leaving? 
Um, zombie apocalypse? <laughs> no, I think they've got it pretty good there. And it looks like they have a lot of shit. I mean, oh, they... they're moving to the community. They want to go where the friggin' drugs are. They're going to take their whole operation to the drug locale. Because mm. that's the magic place. Could be. Could be, I suppose. Wherever that is, that's why they're hunting for it. Because they want to get the hell out of Dodge and move to that whatever that secret community is where the drugs are. Okay, so they're going to go there, and that's going to lead Madison and everybody at the hotel there, which will ultimately be where she reconnects with Nick. Yes, and the fight begins, and the hotel burns down as a result, and then they all have to go somewhere. Could they go to, some, they could, could, could they go to Columbia? Keep going south? That's like, pretty far. <laughs> it is pretty far, but what do you do? Do you turn around and head north again to hit uh, Vancouver, or... You head down to Bogota. I think you uh Cartagena. I think I think you head north. I think well, I think this show's gonna head north again. Or go to the Galapagos Islands. That'd be all right. That would be awesome. It's hard to get there though. Yeah, but once you're there, you're you good. know how many zombies are on the Galapagos Islands? None, I bet. Probably not many. And if there are, it was just tourists and Yeah, you'd have to eat the turtles though. That'd be no good. That's okay. We've seen uh Enid do that. No, but these these turtles are, you know, hundreds of years old. <laughs> yes. You don't want to eat still delicious. Kind of, yes, but they're, they're kind of majestic old creatures. I wouldn't I'd feel bad about eating them, but depends on how hungry I was, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, I'm curious about what Hector's brother actually meant. Uh but I think you're right. Maybe they're gonna leave to try to take over the colony and move in there. And we're gonna get some sort of big fight and Nick is gonna be on one side and Madison is going to be on the other side. And then they're going to see each other across the battle lines, and it'll be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. it is. All right, let's talk about Travis at the end of this episode. He shows up right in the last scene, and he sees the lights on in the hotel, and he sees them go off. A couple things about this scene. Yeah. No Chris. No Chris. And what I the hell happened to Chris? And I think his beard was a little bit longer. Chris's beard? No, Travis's beard. Travis's beard was yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, he's obviously going to show up at the hotel and say, hey, everybody, I'm here. What's What's been going on? I saw your big stupid sign. Yep. What's up? <laughs> what is up with that? And then he's going to realize it's his wife and his family, and uh, he'll be very happy. Now, I think most people think that Chris is not with him. But that actually is not what I thought when I first saw the scene. I just thought, oh, Chris isn't in the scene. So we don't really know if Chris is dead or if he's abandoned Travis or Travis has abandoned him or if he's actually there, but we just didn't see him. So what do you think? I think Chris is in a sack that Travis is dragging behind him. We didn't see a sack, but he very well could be dragging a sack. Yeah. So that's what I think. Okay. Or in a wagon, passed out on tequila. <laughs> he had way too much tequila, and he's passed out, and they found a wagon, and uh, Travis is pulling him in the wagon. Or what are you going to do? It's your, son, it's your son. That's right. Right? We got to move, and he's friggin' drunk out, out of his gourd, and there's a wagon here. I'm just going to throw him in the wagon uh, in the recovery position, because that's the safest thing to do, and then uh, pull him in the wagon. Maybe a wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow would be good, too. Oh, wagon would be better. Wheelbarrows, you know, one <laughs> wheel, and you got to wiggle it. You'd be dumping them all over the place. You know, you go across the thing, and he, he falls out and, you know, rolls down a ravine. It's like, oh, man, I got to go down a ravine and pull him out of there. You get a 
you know, go find a block and tackle and hook up a bunch of winches to haul them up this ravine because, you know, you can't haul a body up a 60-degree incline. Believe me. So oh, I it's, do. Uh, it's tough. So what you're saying is Travis has actually been weekend at burning him the whole way here. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He's just in a wagon. That's all I'm saying. I said, you know, wheelbarrow is a bad thing because then you got to find a block and tackle, you know, ravines, blah, blah, blah. But a wagon, no problem. You just, you know, it's like follows you around like a little puppy. You just hold on to the handrail and away you go. Pull him along. All right. Well, I was glad to see Travis. And I realized something when I saw Travis at the end of this episode. I realized that we've only had him since second half, the second half of this season came back. We've only had him in one episode until now. Mm-hmm. And and really, it was just half an episode because that episode was split with Alicia doing her thing uh, up in the hotel with Elena. So we've had Travis and Chris in a half of one episode since season two resumed. And that one half episode did more to make me interested in their storyline than pretty much everything else leading up to it in the first half of the season. Super. Which I think is a great testament to to the writing of that episode and the staging of it and, and the way it all played out. But I also realized that, boy, I'm really anxious to find out what's going on with them and I miss seeing them. And that was exciting to see Travis at the end there. And I really hope the next episode is like all Travis and Chris and we find out what happened to lead Travis to that point of seeing the hotel light go on and off. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. And then I started thinking even more and I was like, you know what? This reminds me of on the main Walking Dead show when we don't see a character for a long time or uh, they try to they tease us that a character has been killed off and then we don't see a resolution for four episodes. And it drives me crazy because then we find out he hid under a dumpster. And <laughs> I realized that as much as I hated the Glenn dumpster debacle in season six for some of those reasons, they show us something in fear, the walking dead where, you know, some stuff happens to a character. It leaves on somewhat of a cliffhanger, but I didn't hate it at all. In fact, it left me wanting more and I really, really liked it. So what's the difference, Jason? Well, what's the difference? I don't know what the difference would be because, uh, I think I know uh, what it is. Things things that are bad rhyme, like we or have uh, alliteration. We have the dumpster debacle. If uh, this thing with Travis didn't work out, it would be a travesty. That would be <laughs> Travis. the Travis travesty that, <laughs> which might might be worth it right there. Boy, I almost wish it was terrible, <laughs> so we could call it the Travis travesty. <laughs> That's right, the travesty, the Travis sassity. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think I know what the difference is. What the Walking Dead manipulated us. They tried to it fool is. us. And it's not necessarily, we've talked about this until we're blue in the face. I'm blue in the face right now a little bit. But uh, it's not so much what they did on the show. It's how they handled it in reality, outside yeah. of the show. Yes, outside absolutely. Outside of the story. Absolutely. How they handled it in reality was terrible. But, uh, okay, yeah, fine. Let's 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 stick with that. Fear the Walking Dead, I did not feel manipulated in any way. I felt like, boy, I just saw a really good story. It had a, a shocking ending, and I can't wait to find out what happens next. Not, oh, they're screwing with me, right? And yep. that's the difference. And fear, 
you know, I it's not a, it's not exactly the same thing, but fear pulled this similar thing off really, really well. And now I'm just anxious to find out what happens. So good on them, I say. Yeah. And uh, I was excited to see him at the end there. So uh, that's good. I'm looking forward to the last. Uh, what are we three three more right 13 14 15 three more episodes of of season two and um i have a i feel like in my mind i have a reasonable idea of where things are going you know people are going to come back together at the hotel there's going to be some sort of conflict involving the colony in the hotel and everyone's back together again yeah and then the hotel's going to burn down don't forget sorry the hotel is going to burn down hotel will burn down jason is calling it right here right now and that lady, uh, the stabby lady, will be uh, in her room when it does, because that's how she's going to die. She's going to be on the balcony. The flames are going to go up. They're going to be like, oh, we should have saved her. But she's stabby, so fuck it. <laughs> but she's stabby, so what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're probably right. She's probably going to die in the hotel fire, and then everyone's going to have to flee. And I think they're going to head north. Yeah. And they're going to say, oh, she's wearing a bra, and she thinks it's the top. <laughs> yes, that's right. That, that was, was her. her role in Seinfeld. That's right. It's the first thing Christina pointed out. Hey, it's the woman who wore a bra for a top in Seinfeld. <laughs> well, I, I've also seen her, like, that wasn't the first time I have I remember her. She was in an episode of Star Trek. Just one episode. W- like which Star Trek? the first season. Uh, Next Generation. Okay. I don't know. Never watched it. And she was also on Third Rock from the Sun. She was uh, Jaden, no, Jordan, Gordon Joseph Levitt. What the hell's that guy's name? Joseph Gordon Levitt. That guy, he was his teacher when he was, I remember when he was young in Third Rock from the Sun and had, sun and had really long hair. I'm going to have to tell you something that I never watched that show either. Oh, you should watch that show. No. No, you should. That show's actually really good. Look. That's I, like one of my favorite John Lithgow characters. It's absolutely fantastic. John that Lith- whole show is really good. John Lithgow's great. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is amazing. I, I just, I'm not a sitcom guy anymore that much. I mean, I like some, but. I don't know. I would never sit down and watch a new sitcom, I don't think, now. Do you like Beverly Hillbillies? Unless, no. I mean, I never, like, never watched it. <laughs> I didn't grow up it's watching It's the same that. show. It's the same show. It's a fish out of water show. There uh-huh. are aliens that show up. They don't know anything about anything. It's funny. Oh, I forgot that it had aliens in it. Yeah. Well, third Rock from the Sun. They're, the four of these four people are aliens in human form trying to <laughs> understand human society. <laughs> I mean that's a great premise because it's 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 ripe for all kinds of social commentary, but I I just wouldn't do it like unless someone came to me and said there's this new sitcom it's super funny it's a unique premise you gotta see it then I might give it a try and that's why I started watching Last Man on Earth and I and I kind of like it. All right, there's this sitcom it's really funny it's got a really good premise the cast is solid and it is uh, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time and it just happens to be completely on Netflix you can just go and watch it sorry Chris it's not new the only thing that's not there is that keyword new but it's good and it should be watched and friggin uh, uh, James Kirk is the big giant head he's like the head of the entire species of alien that they are James Kirk uh, not James Kirk. The, what's William Shatner? Shatner? Shatner. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, I believe you, but I, I'm not going to go watch it now. And it's got Newman. Oh, he Newman. He plays a cop. He's awesome. <laughs> Everybody in this show is awesome. Okay. Jane Curtin. You love Jane Curtin. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Okay. I believe you that it's great. Uh, maybe someday we'll do a podcast on that. We should. That'd be great. Third I'm in. podcast from the sun. Third po- talking podcast from the sun. There you go. I don't know. Bad with names today, apparently. All righty. 
Um, let's, I think that's it for this episode. I thought it was a pretty good one overall season two of fear the walking dead, I think has been pretty amazing. Uh, I, I realize the show is pretty polarizing and some people have been writing into us saying, I just can't get into this show. The characters make the stupidest decisions, but I don't know. I'm just not there with you. I think this season has been, uh, been overall really good. So another strong episode in my opinion, and we've got three more to, uh, see how it all wraps up. Cool. All right, let's take a short break. Everyone, when we come back, we'll do a little bit of listener feedback and then call it a night. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Talking Dead podcast, everyone. If you'd like to help out with what we do around here, there are a couple of good ways you can do that. One of which, which is to visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. There you can make a small monthly pledge and everything collected goes into all the software and hosting and equipment and stuff like that. We need to record this here podcast and maybe a little bit goes to Jason's college baby fund. No, <laughs> no, none of it. Not unless he's on the podcast. I could bring him on the podcast and then maybe I'll give him a stipend or something. Get him on here, pay him a small fee. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's reward levels or on there and uh, check it out at patreon.com slash the talking dead. If that's not really your thing, then uh, just use our Amazon links. That's super easy. And if you visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, you can choose one of the countries of your choice. Of course, there's the U.S., Canada, U.K., and a few more there. Um, and then when you do all your shopping at Amazon, a tiny little cut comes back to us. It doesn't cost you an extra thing. You don't even notice it. It just takes a little bit out of Amazon's pocket and puts it into ours. And it's really fantastic, really easy. And we have no idea what you're buying. So you don't have to feel embarrassed or weird about buying something funny or embarrassing. Or personal. Or personal. <laughs> sort of what I meant, I think. Uh, just do what you're going to do. And, and every little bit helps out. So that's TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for to everyone for all your support. Listener feedback. Okay, Jason, we are back and it is time. It is that time again when we do some listener feedback about this episode. Cool. Our first email here comes from Adam, friend of the show, Adam in Texas. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about Travis at the end of our episode discussion and he writes Travis and he's solo. I'm betting that Chris and his newfound frat bros ditched him immediately after a huge chicken dinner. 
I kind of hope this is the case and the writers do not feel obliged to kill him. So here's, I think Adam brings up an interesting point here. Uh, is it possible that Chris just takes off with the bros and uh, we just don't see him anymore? Yeah, absolutely. He's like, dad, see ya, get, you know, lost. Or, or on a show like this, does it feel like they always have to kill somebody off rather than have them just ride off into the sunset? Not necessarily. I mean, somebody could just leave. Didn't Somebody's left on the main show before, yeah. Well, early on, remember the, um, what's his name? That family they uh, met early on in season one, they decided to leave and, and yeah. go away somewhere. They just left, yeah. And now Ophelia has supposedly just left for a while. I don't think she's going to be gone forever, but she's driven off. And And the governor just left. But then he came back and died. Right. He left for a little <laughs> while. Most people who leave come back. That's the thing. Um, so if Chris just leaves, maybe he won't be on for a little while, but I don't think he'll be gone forever. Uh, and I think there's probably an opportunity here to do something really emotionally impactful by having him die or maybe having his dad be forced to kill him for some reason. Um, emotionally impactful and probably really sad, which yeah. maybe are the same thing. Uh, so I would, you know, if Chris is gone, I think he's probably actually dead, but you never know. Maybe he just takes off with those frat guys and that's it. He goes off on his merry little way and they party and they have a good time. And maybe they show up on the main show as bad guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Boy, everybody on this show is suddenly showing up on the main show. I'm just, you know, suggesting possibilities. Yeah. I suppose it is a possibility. Um, all right. Gemma in South Wales, UK writes, the cold opener was super intense for me. I just don't do well with kids in peril on these shows. And I'm literally shouting at the TV. No, don't go near that bus with the little girl. It just reminded me too much of Sam's little death walk through Alexandria covered in gore. But thank God we didn't have to see that again. So Fear the Walking Dead doesn't love to torture kids quite as much as the main show does. Not yet. Give it time. Yeah. It took a few seasons for uh, The Walking Dead to, you know, ramp up its... Well, they they started off by killing a little girl, but, you know, other than that, it mm -hmm. took a while to ramp... Well, season two, they killed off... What's her name? Matt, no, okay. Matt, this, this show is not as... Yeah, Sophia. So maybe it's not as bad. Hey, I, I almost said Madison, but that's that's Sophia's real name. That's the actress's name. Right. And Madison is a character in this show. Oh, I'm getting confused. Uh, Yeah, no, they, they were killing little girls from day one. Yeah, on yeah, day one. Yeah. The main show. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I am glad though that we didn't have to watch that poor girl get torn apart or anything. Uh, Sam, on the other hand, I was kind of ready for him to go. <laughs> he, he was just kind of annoying me. I'm like, yeah, that guy needs to die. Yeah. Sounds terrible. All right. Christine in Northwest England writes, so last week, Madison was talking about how they have to be careful from groups of people who will want to take over the hotel. Oh, I know what we should do. We should drive up to an exchange with some very bad people while driving a truck with our safe location advertised all over the side of it. <laughs> That's a surefire way to keep the bad guys away. And if that doesn't show them that we don't have it very good where we are, we'll take them uh, them ice in the middle of an apocalypse. Then we can turn the hotel sign on. Yay, we're over here. Hey, everybody. So for all the good decisions and all the knowledge Madison has somehow... Uh, she's suddenly been making very poor decisions. Yeah. And it's going to, it's, it's all going to boil, uh, boil to a head here. It, things are going to, 
get ugly before they get pretty. It's gonna it's gonna come back to bite her, I think. On one hand, though, it's it's attracted Travis back, and on the other hand, it's also going to attract some bad guys. Yeah, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Um, Midge on the internet also writes about Madison. Midge writes, the needs of the Madison outweigh the needs of the many. I always wonder what I, I always wonder, would I make half the dumb decisions these characters make in both The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead if there ever, if there ever were a zombie apocalypse? What Madison did with the hotel lights has got to be one of the dumbest moves ever. The walkers aren't the problem in the zombie apocalypse. It's the crazy, desperate humans who are your biggest threat. Unless they plan on letting everyone in to help contribute to their little resemblance of a civilization, that was a dumb move. Even if they let them in, someone will mess it up or some group will try to come take it. So everyone pretty much agrees that it was a terrible idea. Terrible, terrible idea. Terrible. Uh, Moving right along, who on the internet writes, so the bite is fake and Alejandro knows it. If he were truly immune, he'd be looking for a way to create a vaccine for walkerism using his own blood. Granted, he is only a pharmacist, but I'm sure his education would be enough to at least have him try to figure something out, but he's not. And I think that's an interesting look at things. Uh, I mean, we don't know for sure that he's not doing that, but we certainly haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, it's good, good, total bullshit. Whether he knows it or not, it's total bullshit. Yeah, but I think the point is, if he does know it, he'd be trying to, and he was a reasonable person, he'd be trying to do something to use his immunity to save people and help people. Instead, he's using that to, like, control them and keep them in the colony and not actually save anybody, just keep them there. Right, so you think he'd be, like, drawing his own blood and distilling various compounds to see if he could uh, cure zombieism. Well, I think that's, yeah, that's what who is saying. And yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like if he was a, if he was a good person, that's what he'd be doing. He'd be trying to actually help humanity by using his immunity to help other people. Instead, he's using the idea of his immunity to keep them all in the line. Yeah. And that's not quite the same thing. He's an ass. <laughs> he's, yeah. It just makes him a dick instead of, you know, a savior. Yeah. But he calls himself a savior anyways. So... I don't know. I'll be surprised if that guy survives the uh, the rest of the season, too, to be honest. Oh, totally. He's totally dead. Totally dead? Well, we have to find out whether or not he is infected uh-huh. with zombieism or the, uh, the virus that'll kill him and turn him into a zombie. Uh, or we'll, we'll discover that he's full of shit. Yes. I mean, we know he's... I mean, we know that everyone turns, right? So in theory... Well, I I don't know. Who knows what they're going to do? If he's if he's not if he's actually immune, which nobody believes, then in theory he would die and stay dead. He wouldn't come back, right? Yeah. So what if that happens? What if he actually gets killed and then they make a point somehow of telling us that he never comes back as a zombie? Well, then they should make him a uh, a zombie saint of some kind or an undead saint. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't he have to come back as an as an undead to do that though? To be a saint, or maybe a I don't know some kind of saint because uh, I think one of the tenets for being a saint is your body can't decompose. Really, that's a thing. I think so. I think it's a thing. Oh wow. Well, I don't know. He'll be the zombie king then. He'll 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 become a zombie and never decompose. Ooh, zombie king. 
There's a movie idea right there. That's like a Rat King. You tie a bunch of zombies together and they just uh, move as a, a one massive organism. <laughs> Gross. One massive, <laughs> deadly, disgusting organism. Yeah. All right. One more here from Ozzy Jim. Ozzy Jim writes, Ozzy well, I, I, Jim didn't say where he's from, except that he's Ozzy Jim, so I assume he's from Australia. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a fair assumption. I don't know if I'd, you know, put that, write that in stone anywhere. But. Well, well, I didn't. I didn't put it in the notes. I just said Ozzy Jim, so. Okay, thank God. Uh, Ozzy Jim writes, why can't I get into this show? I love the main show. I care about Rick and his cohorts. I soak that up like a dry sponge. But Fear the Walking Dead, I just don't care. I want them all to suffer and lose due mainly to how slick and successful they've been, which is the opposite feeling for Rick's crew who have gone through so much and had to earn every small reward they've gained. You're left praying for just the slightest uh, bit of good luck coming their way. It feels like the producers are trying to make a parallel show and instead of investing five seasons, they are shortcutting the experience to get right into the action. I don't see the point of it. Now they want, now they went and got strand stabbed. So he'll either live and be fine, which makes that drama pointless or he'll die and they'll remove the best character in the show. Arg! <laughs> That's a tough call. Uh, I just finished saying in the previous bit there that I, I think fear the walking dead is doing a great job. So I, I gotta say, I'm not on the same page as Ozzy Jim, but I do share some of his sentiment in that I did feel like it's these characters are just too good at what they do in the zombie apocalypse already. Now we had listeners write in last week or on the feedback show and, and say, and, and list off some of the stuff that Madison has been through that gives her the knowledge or the, the skills and the experience to be where she is already. And they made some good points too. So I don't know where I come down anymore. On one hand, I do agree with Ozzy Jim that I feel like there's a little bit, it's been a little bit too easy for these people. But when you think about it, it hasn't been that easy. They've been through a lot already in a short time. Yeah. The biggest problem I have now is that all of our listeners are always right, even when their views are conflicting. And it's it's hard. (laughs) because <laughs> I agree with everybody. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with Ozzy Jim. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. My brain is, uh, is, is mush. And yeah, this show's good, but yet, you know, it's crap in some ways. Well, and I guess, I guess all the shows are like that and you have to just take what you can from it. And I'm taking the good from this, this season right now of this show. And I think they've done a, a really good job for the most part. Um, so Aussie Jim, I don't know. I mean, I I feel bad that that you're sort of more on the negative side. I mean, I don't feel bad. I I I just think that's too bad that you're not enjoying it. But it is what it is, and it's it's not going to be for everybody. So uh, I'm just glad you're still listening to us. Really, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the best part. It's <laughs> totally the best part. You know, we're here, and as you've said before, man, we can be your support group. Yeah. And if you're not enjoying it, listen to us and, and, and either you'll love us for liking it or hate us for liking it. I don't know, but either way you're tuning in and that's amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, I don't want to say keep watching the show if you even are, uh, because you don't want to torture yourself by watching something you hate. But I, I'm the kind of person who, once I start something, I kind of like to see it through 
at least with TV shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time. I have a really hard time dropping off a show midway through, even if it's starting to get really terrible. I like to see where it goes. I like to give it a chance, give it the benefit of the doubt and get to the end. Building fences, on the other hand, is completely the other end of the spectrum. You build half a fence and just say, fuck it. I don't I'm need, not, I never I don't need the, the rest of the fence. I just only <laughs> need this half of fence. I never needed the rest of that half fence anyway. <laughs> I needed the the fence from here to just over there. And then for the next little while, what I needed is a bunch of posts in the ground. And then after that, what I needed was a bunch of holes in the ground. And that's it. That's <laughs> this, all I needed. This really <laughs> sounds like it comes from experience, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, Last time I built a fence, I built the whole fence. You did? I'm just saying, like, you like to see things through, at least for television shows. Right. I'm suggesting that maybe fences don't fall into that same category for you. They don't, but decks? Man, I built a hell of a deck behind the house last summer, and I finished that fucker almost. You finished the <laughs> shit out of it, did you? <laughs> well, I I finished it, yes. There was there was one last thing I wanted to do this uh, this summer and didn't really get around to it. Now I'm not saying that I still can't cause we got some fall weather to get through here and I can still do deck work in the fall, but, uh, put in the jacuzzi. No, I did not put in a jacuzzi, nor will I be. I'm not a jacuzzi kind of guy. Um, but I, I wanted to put lattice around the bottom of it to block oh, off lattice underneath. So raccoons and animals and shit had a hard, harder time getting in there, but never got That's around a 10 to minute it. job, man. Well, go buy some it, lattice and put it in there. It's a little more than that. I got to put it in, make a lattice gate so I can open it and get in and out. Cause I'm storing I stuff under put there. Put it on hooks. Yeah. Some of it, some of it. Anyways, we can do a podcast about that some other day. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying I'd like to see TV shows through to the end. So I would have a hard time dropping off even if I didn't like it. So maybe Ozzy Jim is the same way and he's hate watching the show, but hopefully yeah. not hate listening to us. Yeah, I would hate to have him hate us. Hate, hatey, hate, hate. All right, before we wrap up, we're going to play a call here from longtime listener Angie in Birmingham. Hi, guys. It's Angie in Birmingham. Um, I'm a little bit late, but I do have a little bit of just random feedback for a different, uh, couple of different points. Um, first off, I just wanted to say, um, I think another listener brought it up, that you know, this is essentially the same show in a different location, so there will be similarities. Um, I just wanted to say, how many times can they actually be different? Because it's not similarities I'm seeing, but the same plot points recycled. Um, I mean, the bit where Strand dispatched the bride just reminded me of when Lee helped Kenny say goodbye to Duck in the Telltale game uh, in episode three, and again in episode four with the little boy in the attic. Um, it just it played out the same to me. It was just the same story, and it felt recycled. So my thought is, with the books, the comics, the games, and um, both shows, how long can they keep these stories fresh and new? You know, how much material is there? So I'm going to stop Angie there. But um, interesting point, Jason. Are you feeling any Walking Dead fatigue when you consider we've watched two TV shows, read? seven or eight novels, played lots of video games, read comics, play with action figures, you know, whatever <laughs> else. And in a way, they're all very similar and explore the same themes. Um, is it too much? or And and do you feel any of the fatigue? Uh, I don't know if I feel the fatigue. I understand that there probably is some overlap in story and plot points and... Uh, uh, it can get a little samey here and there, and 
but I, I never underestimate uh, writers' abilities to come up with new and interesting things. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping, I, I, I like intellectually, I think there is probably uh, some fatigue out there, and I can understand how people can feel that fatigue. I personally don't feel it, and think that uh, we could go on for a very long time and still uh, explore new ground. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much with you. I there are days when I when I feel it a little bit, but for me, I'm able to get um enjoyment out of um out of the Walking Dead universe strictly from it being presented on different mediums. You know, TV is very different from a book and books are very different from video games and video games are very different from comics and so on and so on. Uh so even though I'm watching a TV show and I'm reading a comic and I'm playing a video game and they may have similar themes or almost the same themes or in some ways even similar plots, like similar uh, actual events, I still get the enjoyment out of it because one's a video game and one's a book, for example. So, right. so for me, the medium that it's presented on is actually pretty important, um, but, but I can get it. There are days, too, when I feel like, man, I wish The Walking Dead would do something a little bit different. And uh, and I think I've said that on the on the podcast before. And I think that Fear the Walking Dead, while it, you know, in some ways is very similar to the main show, The Walking Dead, I think it's also just different enough that it keeps, you know, that part of my interest in all this going. Um, And I. I think I even maybe said this last on the feedback show a few days ago uh, that I still wish that they'd done, done something drastically different on fear the walking dead, like setting it 50 years in the future or putting it in some really, really radically different part of the earth or climate, because that would have been really interesting. Um, But they didn't. And they've still managed to make a solid show in my opinion, at least for the way it is right now. They build this thing as, a different like happening immediately after the zombie apocalypse but i think that kind of went out the window this season like this is very samey kind of thing right i mean sure the population might be higher than it is in the main show uh but you know we still have uh groups of survivors surviving in different ways and communities interacting and uh zombie hordes you know, showing up every now and again. It's the same crap, just different show. I know. I think what they build this show as before it came on went out the window really quickly. And yeah. and I don't think they lived up to that, that promise. They said this would be the early days of the outbreak and technically it's the early days, but the, the way they're doing the show, it's like the same show just happens to take place so far in the first couple of months rather than the first couple of years. And they needed to really, um, they needed to really take their time and slow it down. Now, I think the way they're telling the story, you know, whatever you think of it in season two, I think their way that they're telling the story now is better, a lot better than in season one. They, I think they are taking their time and they're overlapping it and they have characters in different locations. And you know, that, that, you know, they tell part of one story and then they go back and they tell the events of what's happening to the other characters sort of simultaneously. Right. And I think that works better for this show 
than they, than they were they did in season one where everyone was together and it was very linear and then they skip a bunch of time and everyone's like how do you skip all that time what happened in those nine days like what's the point of of this if we're just going to skip over time so yeah so they're doing a much better job in my opinion of the storytelling in season two but it is it's similar um but for me just different enough good yeah and I, i'm happy for you yeah i know and uh i think we've said that a loads of times in the last couple of months doing this podcast so maybe we can probably move on from that uh but you know it's maybe something we can revisit as season three unfolds and you know on into the future so yay hooray all right that's going to do it for this episode of the talking dead um i know we're not quite done yet jason but congratulations on making it all the way through a podcast yeah i mean yeah we still got what a minute maybe yeah, maybe maybe a couple <laughs> yeah i might get called away oh you never know hopefully hopefully you can just hang in there <laughs> yeah um but it did feel like it did feel like things are f- settling back into place a little bit more today and it felt like things are back to normal i think i uh we're starting to get our feet under us that's good yeah it's very good that's good i'm he's I'm, still sleeping like a crazy person but uh i think we're, we're able to handle it a little better now like not like not sleeping very much right oh yeah he's still well he's i think the last few days he's been going through a growth spurt so uh it's like sleep for half an hour and then get up and Oof. yell and scream and kick and fuss and want to eat and then uh, and then won't go to sleep unless you hold him for a long time, and then he'll fall asleep for a little bit, and then you put him in the in the in his bassinet, and as soon as you put him down, he starts spazzing like a crazy person and uh, wakes himself up because he smashed himself in the face with his foot or something. <laughs> well, you know, I remember those days. And uh, <laughs> uh, now my children sleep through the night almost every night. Well, that's good. So someday you'll you'll get there. Uh, and that's the way babies are. He sure is adorable though, man. I saw some photos Jenny put on Facebook today. Man, could you not have a cuter baby? I couldn't, you know, we were, we were very happy when Jenny was pregnant. We're looking forward to having a baby. We didn't know what the gender was going to be. We're like, okay, this is going to be great. We're going to have a baby. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't think we were quite prepared for just how damn cute the little bastard is. Yeah. He's just so cute. He's a, Even when he's screaming his full head off, he's still cute. He's a good-looking little man. Um yeah. So uh she should post more photos. And uh I don't know if the I don't know if listeners can find them to see them, but if you want to see a picture of the baby, I think from a couple of days after he was born, maybe the first day or two, uh talkingdeadpodcast.com/pictures and there's one yeah. there. There's yeah, there's one there. That's uh that's day 1. That's a brand new baby. Yeah. And now I'll, I'll throw some more up there or I'll send some more your way that you can put up there. Sure. And, and he's four weeks old now as of today. Four weeks today. Yeah. Fucking time flies, buddy. Born on a Monday podcast day. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't. I told him, I told him you had to plan to be born on Tuesday morning right after a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That'd have been better. Didn't really didn't listen. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if you want to uh, send in your, tips on how to get Jason's baby to sleep more, you can call them in or record a message by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash, no, just going to talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail. <laughs> and you can tweet us at Talking Dead. I've been enjoying the Twitter a little bit more in the last week or so, so uh, I'll try to keep up with that. I'm not very good at Twitter, but 
I've been keeping an eye on it. So tweet at Talking Dead. Go to Facebook, facebook.com slash The Talking Dead, where I generally post all, well, I post all the episodes and occasionally a few other things. Uh, I just posted something there that listener Angie sent in. It's a, uh, somebody took the audio of Negan from the TV show and played it over top of panels from the comic that's that line up with what he's saying because the dialogue is very similar cool and colorized it which is cool so it's it's a pretty neat little presentation and you should check that out go to our facebook page it's uh one of the recent posts there and uh if you want to send us email talking dead podcast at gmail.com don't forget to visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead, or use the Amazon links at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Thanks to everyone who does that. And that's going to do it. So until next time, everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.